Hey everyone, last spring, Hunter and I delivered a TED Talk at the University of Mississippi entitled, How to Build a Thick Institution. In it, we discussed a leadership framework we developed for our football program at Oxford that we believe helped dramatically improve our program. More recently, we turned the content from that talk into a book that you can now read with your team. It has the same title, How to Build a Thick Institution. You can order it online through Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And if you're an Oxford local, Square Books carries it as well. So for this next series, we're going to do something a little different. We're releasing the audio version of six long-form interviews Dr. Taylor did over YouTube in support of his new book, Draw the Line, Jeff Trailer, The Gilmore Buckeyes, and A Season Deep in the Heart of East Texas. All six interviews will give you, the listener, great insight into why this story is so special, and our hope is that each episode sparks conversations about the coaches you played for, the teammates you played with, and the pride we all take in being from our hometowns. All right, hey, everyone. Thanks a bunch for making time to watch this. I'm Hunter Taylor, author of Draw the Line, which comes out tomorrow, June 28th, and this is our final episode. Throughout this series, we've gotten to talk with some of the actual people who deserve a ton of credit for influencing either the story and or the entire culture that is East Texas high school football. If you go to the book's website at huntertaylor.design, click on Draw the Line, you can watch the first five episodes. We had Danny Long with broadcaster David Smoke. We followed that up with Coach Metzel, Coach Johnson, and CBS 19's Reagan Roy Young. Then we had Coach Surratt, Coach Boyette, 24-7 scouting analyst Gabe Brooks. Followed that one up with former member of the 2014 Gilmer State Championship team and current NFL player Blake Lynch, along with Inside Texas' Justin Wells. And the last one we did was with UIL Athletic Director Dr. Susan Elza, president of the THSEA, and Longview Lobos head football coach John King, and award-winning writer for the Longview News Journal, Jack Stallard. All the episodes have been amazing and are also on YouTube by simply looking up Draw the Line interviews. And now for this one, and it's kind of sad because um, it's coming to an end right here, but we're going with a bang. We got Coach Trailer, head football coach for the UTSA Roadrunners and former head coach, athletic director of the Gilmer Buckeyes. And joining us is the co-host of the premier Friday night radio show in East Texas, KYKX's Harlan, the sports guy. Guys, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Thanks for having me. Glad to do it. Well, Coach, I, I just I know you've you've seen a couple of them. I think you've seen most first five episodes. I mean, we tried to get as many people that we thought would be fun to have weigh in on this subject or were connected to you or competed against you or covered you. Like, how does it feel to have you know that many people? I mean, willingly say, "Hey, whatever you need, I'm in." Um, it's, it's been very humbling, honestly. Um, they, I, I, I might not have seen all of them like from beginning to end. Uh, but I have, everybody sends me their favorite part, right? Uh, the thing that the joke that might've been said or the funny story, uh, you know, there's a lot of great memories and I can't wait. Um, uh, this weekend, uh, Jordan, Jake and JC are all flying in and Carrie and I, we're all, we're all getting out of here for about eight days. So I hope, I can just be by a beach and get some Wi-Fi and maybe just catch up on all the things. But yeah, it's been very humbling. And each one of those people you just mentioned, I could go on and on and on about how they have helped me with my career and have always been so supportive. And you don't, you don't get to these positions without the help of everybody along the way. And I know that it sounds just very cliche, but it, it, I mean every word of that when I say it. you just don't get here without the help of all those people you mentioned just curious any favorite parts of anything that you've seen or been sent to you anything that really sticks no. out the, the, what it is is kind of like harlan you know just showing me that pride cap it, there's so many things i've just forgotten because i just literally live in the moment like i'm i'm literally terrified we play houston 81 days right and that's all i think about is that and it's it's, it's my greatest strength but it's also my greatest weakness uh because it's okay to reflect. It's okay to look back occasionally, uh, but I don't do that very well. Uh, I'm, I'm always on the next thing. Uh, but I will admit it's just going down memory lane. Uh, you know, I only played the head coach card very few times in my career, but one of those was I drove to the games and uh, by myself with Matt and Alan at the end of my career. And our favorite thing to do, because once, once Smokey kind of got, out of there it, it was literally just 
uh, Harlan and Pigskin. That was it. And I could not wait to get in my truck and hear them. They were so freaking hilarious. And then we started winning, and everybody just hated us. So you were either all Gilmer or you were totally anti-Gilmer. There was no in-between. And they were the best. They they rile that crap up, man. They get those people just going. And I, they t- you know, either put me on a pedestal, which I didn't belong, or they put me in the mud as the biggest cheater in America, which I didn't belong there either. There was no in between. And but I used to laugh till I cried. And I became dear friends with both of them. And I'd stop in the studio, and we'd go have lunch. And it it, it truly became a real friendship. And uh, but I had a blast. A lot of times at my own expense, they're making fun of me, but it was still a blast. And I got to say, I'll jump in right there and say that it was it was really rewarding for us. Jeff Taylor was the first coach that really kind of, you know, acknowledged us and warmed up to us as we were getting going about the same time he started, you know, doing well with Gilmer. So a path of near the line. But having Jeff as an ally, you know, in those early days when our show was just getting going, and, you know, it, when we had – Coach Trailer coming into the studio on a Friday night when they were on a bye week, you know, Terry's waiting in the car for them to go see a movie. He would stop in the studio, come say hey, and this and that. And it really added a lot of, uh, uh, it gave a stamp of approval that, uh, well, Jeff Trailer has time for it. Maybe you can make time for it too, Coach. And uh, we, always, we always really appreciated that. And, uh, I have to tell my favorite uh, Jeff Trailer story. Harlan, one Harlan, one thing is your is your microphone adjusted? You're lower than you were a second ago. I don't know. I've never been accused of not being loud. How about now? It's a little better. Yeah. Okay, I'll try and speak up. Coach Taylor, we were doing our preseason interview, and Coach Taylor always came in, came in every year. We had to have him in our preseason interview, and uh, Bob had had a serious knee injury, where, I mean, he tore every CL that the knee had. And Coach Taylor and I were going to lunch before we did the interview, and he stopped and picked me up, and we're headed to lunch. He said, where's Bob? And I told him what happened, and he had this severe knee injury, and he was still in the hospital at the time. And Coach Taylor was like, well, which hospital? We're going to see him. Let's go see him right now. And, you know, he was, he was that personable and thoughtful of, of all the members of the media. But, you know, I can only speak to Bob and I, but he really, you know, he just approached said, let's go see Bob. He's in the hospital and he's suffering. And it was a bad knee injury. And, uh, and Coach Taylor made time uh, to go see him. It, it always touched me that he, he you know, he thought that dearly of all the members of the Yeah, but they're the only ones that I can still remember when we won our state championship and I filled out my reading request from, from Balfour. And uh, and I'll never forget, forget Rick Albritton calling me on the telephone going, you really expect me to buy those two guys a state championship ring? I said, yeah. Do you understand how much support they give us? I mean, it's unbelievable their coverage. He's like, Jeff half of them are calling you a cheater and they're saying terrible things about us. I'm like, look, that's just part of the deal. They, as long as we're getting publicity, Mr. Albritton, it's good. It doesn't matter <laughs> if they're mad at us or loving us. It's all good. He's like, all right. So he got them two state championship rings. And uh, I believe that's a true story. I did get y'all state championship. Am I making that up or is that true? In nine and 14. I got it on my panel, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, never let the facts get in the good way of a good story. I, I, I want to make sure I remember this correctly. I appreciate that. <laughs> we told John King when they were playing in 18, I, you know, we were like, hey, Jeff gave us rings when he won. Yeah, well, I'm going to give you rings if we win this game. <laughs> That's he awesome. Too. That's awesome. I love me some John King. There's, there ain't no one better than John King. <laughs> uh, well, so we're recording this uh, early, but this will this will release on the twenty seventh, and obviously the week the week this releases, we've got events scheduled. You know, you got uh, on the thirtieth in Gilmer, we're going to do a book event, uh, Duds on the Lake, and they've promoted it and they've been promoting it that uh, that the hometown guys coming in, and then the very next day on July first, uh, in the Tomato Bowl press box, we're going to do something, and uh, just I guess. 
I know you don't take a lot of time to reflect, but have you thought or any or connected with anybody just about, man, I can't wait to see uh, this setting, this person, this group, and just be able to celebrate because you don't get to see people like that very often. You know, I don't, but, you know, my cell phone number hasn't changed. Uh, I sell the exact same number. And I, all the people that would care to see me or are participating in this book, I pretty much stay in contact with. Um, they're all my closest people know how busy I am, so they don't bother me as much. But they always let me know they're there. And, um, you know, that's been the, the funniest thing was like today. My mom, which you had to deal with. This is my mom's like. You're going to be here on the 30th? I'm like, yes, ma'am. What time? I said, I don't know, Mom. I know Hunter asked me to be there. I have I said, Mom, I live literally one day at a time. If my DFO and my media people don't tell me where I am, I don't know where the heck I'm going most of the time. Well, I've already put in a call to Dr. Taylor, and he's going to call me back and let me know. I said, well, Mom, I, I hope you can make it. That'd be pretty cool. So I do know at least my mom's going to show up. That I know. She was awesome. She was so excited about it. So that's pretty cool. That's it's making good. me like it's my dad's not in good health right now. So I, I have been coming home for any reason I can. Uh, but it's also making me schedule in, you know, Gilmer and Jacksonville. And that's going to be, you know, some of my earliest memories at 85 Camaro. I bought uh, my senior year in high school. I drove it all the way until 1999. And I remember Danny bringing me in and saying, Jeff, you do know you're like one of the hottest young coaches in East Texas and everybody's fixed to start wanting to interview you for a job. They're not going to want to hire a kid that's 29 years old driving a, a 85 Camaro with T-tops. You know, you're going to have to let that thing go. I'm like, Danny, I, I can't let that thing go. I mean, that was my pride and joy. I can remember driving to work every day. I lived with my mom and dad my very first year. Carrie and I were not married. Uh, Carrie was still in college fishing up her you know, teaching certification. I live with my mom and dad in Gilmer, and I drove back and forth every day uh, to Big Sandy. And I can remember listening to Garth Brooks and Clint Black like it was yesterday and just dreaming of being the head coach at Big Sandy and then maybe the head coach at Gilmer and then maybe being the head coach at Longview one day. And, man, getting rid of that 85 Camaro was one of the hardest things I ever did in my life, be a grown-up and go buy a Ford truck in Jacksonville, Texas. And, but Coach Long, was he was right. I, it was probably time with the 85 Camaro go. I know everybody knows, obviously, about the Gilmer, you know, how important that is to your story, who you are. All that. Talk about Jacksonville, though, and the fact that uh, I think that's one of the cooler things, how that community, they wanted in on this. And there's so many people involved that were like, this is a big part of the story, too. And it is in the book. But just for people that aren't aware, Jacksonville. It's the biggest part of the story. It, it really is. In my development. And I was, seech, I was seeking. I knew there was more out there. I just had never seen it done right. You know, I, I'm a crier. I laugh. I love people. I hug. Uh, and I worked for two men that were just tougher than hell. I mean, they were tough men. And I, I'm not trying to say they, they made me feel like I wasn't a coach, but I could tell I was considered – I loved basketball. I loved hoops. I couldn't wait to go to the gym. And you got to remember, this is the early 90s now. Uh, so I was seen as soft and not very tough. Uh, I'd never be a great coach. And, man, meeting Danny was a, a real game changer for me because he, Danny laughed and Danny cried. Daddy was from Cali. He saw the world differently. He didn't see it. He doesn't see the world like anybody else. Uh, but it was just good for me to see it done a different way. And then for Matt Turner and Wayne Coleman to be on the scene for me in that time, the relationship with the McCallans, you know, Josh, Randy, and Luke, and then their father and mother, Pat and Robin. There's a man named Larry Fold in there. Joe Ballard, my Sunday school teachers. Bruce Webb and Daryl Dunn were our pastors. That just It was a critical moment for me because Jordan was just born. Uh, started going to Promise Keepers, Coaches Outreach, teaching a Sunday school class with Dr. Larry Fold and Joe Ballard. Uh, I just wanted more. And, uh, man, those guys poured into me and – you know, and I'm far from perfect. Y'all y'all know I love to have fun. I'm an imperfect person coaching imperfect people. And, uh, but those guys really said to me, like, Jeff, you can teach Sunday school because you can reach – you're more of a human than the rest of us. You can reach a certain group of people the rest of us can't reach. And uh, I really bought into that, that, you know, God can hit a straight lick with a crooked stick. And I'm living proof uh, of a crooked stick. And uh, But God can use you. 
because uh, I'll never be Matt Turner or Alan Metzel. Like, I, I want to be them. I pray every night to be more like them. That's just not the way I'm hardwired. I'm very fleshly. I'm very human. And I love to have a lot of fun. And uh, those years were Dick Sheffield was so huge for me. He he poured into me like crazy, like I was his grandson. He never, ever bragged on me. All he did was humble me at all times. But I knew he loved me unconditionally, and, and, and I knew he knew I was special in his eyes. So those are the most those were the most important years. I mean that with all that's where I grew up the most. Those those six seasons there, I became a man. And uh and and Danny was as much as I couldn't wait to get out of there because he just drove me nuts. And I was a whooping boy early in that. Boy, he got a lot smarter when I left. And uh, I called him all the time there early because all I know was everything I thought I knew, I didn't know anything. I didn't know a thing, uh, except I knew Owen Johnson was special. And I, I wrote him like I stole him. And he won me six games, and it, it made him think I was smart to buy me some time before I figured out how to coach. Every time we would go and uh, interview Coach Trailer in those early days, I mean, there was not a conversation that happened where he didn't talk about Danny Long and the influence that he had on his coaching career. And always, you know, he paid homage to who he learned from. And I, I was like, every conversation, Danny Long, Danny Long. And I never met him, but I got to kind of know him through Jeff, and I know how, how important he was to, to your career. He was so much fun to get to talk to early on. I told you that of like, my gosh, he can own a room and tell a story. And I mean, you, you can tell this is an inspiring leader. So, uh, yeah, he was everything that you said and more you know, getting to meet him in person. And I was like, Harley, that's somebody you got to have on, on the show one time, just because he's a storyteller. Oh, he, you would love him. Really. Y'all two would become <laughs> best friends like overnight. Like you would, <laughs> you, you would love him and you would love his stories. Cause he's y'all are about the same things. And I can remember him so many times like Jeff, you've got to quit taking eight kids in that Camaro at one time. You got your whole basketball team in there at one time, driving them around. No, no T tops. You're going to get in trouble on that side of town. I'm like, Coach, them kids, man, they, they, they ain't nothing going to happen to us. We're going to be fine, Coach. We're going to be fine. And those, those same kids in Jacksonville, you know, they, they, they taught me so much. Uh, at Big Sandy, I, I never wanted to leave any place I've been yet. Like, I cry when I packed my office up in Big Sandy. I did not want to go to Jacksonville. Danny called me. I didn't even apply for the job. Phil Jones and Ken Jones worked at East Texas Sports Center and they told Danny I was a really good coach, and that's how he coach heard about me. Now I think they just want, they also know Danny's going to put me in charge of the budget, and which he did, and and that's what an associate head coach title is. I've had them my whole life. That's every job the head coach doesn't want to do, and Danny gave me all of them, right? So I think East Texas Sports Center was just placing me in there to make sure they got all the business out of Jacksonville. <laughs> well, I, I thought this was cool too. I think I told you this, but uh, around mid July, Marshall's going to host an event too. And they're and they're uh, talking now of getting uh, Coach Parker to come in for it uh, with Coach Long and obviously that crew. How cool is that? Because I know uh, even though you didn't work uh, in Marshall, that's part of the the tree. And well, uh, think about that, Hunter. If you really want to get crazy, I mean, I, I am not close to Dennis because all the way I am is through Danny. Yes, I do know Dennis, and I've had many conversations. Much respect. I think he's an outlier. I think he's different. I have a lot of respect for guys that go into places and can just flip a whole town. That that's hard to do, and uh, it takes a larger than life personality. And Dennis had that in Marshall, right? But the comp, the the deal was it got me in alignment with D.W. Rutledge. Yep. And D.W. Rutledge is the guy in San Antonio. He's like the guy. Yeah. And like he's I, I feel strongly he's as much the reason why I got this job as anybody, because my president, Taylor Amy, and my athletic director, Dr. Lisa Campos, knew they had made a mistake the first time by not going to the THSCA. So that when they went through DW this time to ask who the guy was, uh, you know, DW put my name up there and DW introduced me at my press conference. You look back December yep. 9, 2000, yep. Rutledge introduced me. So who knows, you know, how all that was really intertwined. I would imagine one day Dr. Compost and President Amy will tell me what really happened. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, how that is. They don't tell you that kind of stuff until they fire you and you're out of the business for a while. They don't do that while you're in the middle of it. No, that is. That's such a cool thing because, yeah, it, was, it originated Converse Judson, then it breaks off, and it's almost like this full circle deal where now you're working how many miles away from Converse Judson? I have nine players. 
on my team from there. I'm playing golf at Tapatia last summer, and Kurt and I are driving on the golf course. And hell, I recognize Frank Arnold, you know, like it's nothing. And of course, Frank Arnold doesn't know me from Adam. And uh, so we drive by each other, miss each other. Then we come by the next time, and he kind of does a double take. And I said, Yeah, Coach Arnold, it really is me. And we had a great conversation, but you know, Frank was on that Converse Judson. And I mean, it's just, they're all down here. It's, it's been a really cool experience for me. It's awesome. Well, I know you'll, you'll see this hopefully over your vacation that you got coming up. Blake Lynch had a great interview he gave on our episode four. I mean, just, it was, it was phenomenal. Um, He's one of those another hundred that got people just roaring. They, they made their show. Now that just got those guys. Him and G.J. Kenny were probably the two that I took the most heat for. And uh, truly, I mean, I, we didn't do anything improper whatsoever. I right. mean, the, the kids wanted to come there. And even Danny, like, my closest people are still like, you've always been the Big 12 Recruiter of the Year. I don't know why they just now make you Big 12 Recruiter of the Year. I'm like, well, you, you, don't, you don't have to recruit. You, you don't have to. When you win – and you build facilities, Scott Surratt's not recruiting. Those kids right. are moving in there. John King's not recruiting. Those kids are moving in there. You don't have to recruit. Your program recruits itself. People that say that really don't understand uh, what they're saying when they say that. It's just easy target. But, yeah, Blake and GJ, I told both of them, they were worth it, but they caused me a lot of grief. But it sure helped David Smoke and Harlan out. I guarantee you got the fans roaring. Well, and, I, and I'll say this. You know, we get a lot of phone calls because we do a lot of those on the show. And, and like you said, it's a lot of, it's still got a jealousy. And more times than often, I mean, we would tease you. And most of that was in person. But publicly, we would always say, hey, if you had a kid who was a star wide receiver, running back, quarterback, whatever, offensive lineman, where would you want him to play? I would want my son, if I, I have three daughters, if I had a son, I would want him to play for Jeff Ray, Scott Surratt, John King. And you would find a way to get him into those programs. And, and you're right, it was, it was all of our phone callers that would say stuff like that. It was usually out of guilt. How special is Blake, though? How deep of a kid is he? Just on another level. And that's one of the most unique people I've ever coached in my entire life. And uh, what his mother and him went through and his yeah. sister and, and, and how we took care of them. And, and it's very private, but that was a stressful time in that young man's life. I mean, our whole community – just embrace him. That's just Gilmer, though. I mean, I guess because we're a bunch of misfits in Gilmer, we've always kind of been the outcast, you know. Uh, we're a very accepting community. Uh, we, we, we don't judge because we've always been the ones being judged. And uh, I, I take tremendous pride. The, the thing I'm the most proud of of all of this is how much the perception of Gilmer has changed in the last 22 years. And, and Rick Albritton and that school board deserve all that credit. I was such a pain in their ass. I know privately they're all glad I'm gone privately um, because I was just such a pain in their ass. I was relentless, and that was my hometown. And by God, it was going to be the best one. And I wasn't going to stop until it was, right? Well, you don't get that done with the head football coach. You can talk about it all you want to. You can do all you want to. The superintendent of schools and the school board are the only ones that can make that happen. And Rick Albritton and those school board members – uh, they'll never tell y'all, but I promise you privately, they're like, I hope he stays down there in San Antonio. <laughs> yeah, you were gone about 15 minutes and they named the stadium. Yeah, that was like to make sure he doesn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, no. I, use that, I use that all the time, Jeff, as I talk to, to community members, whatever community, that where they're not doing well, and they'll, you know, well, we'll never be good at football. And I said, that's absolutely not true. I've seen it. And I use Gilmer often as an example. You know, in, in, in the 90s, Gilmer wasn't Gilmer. They were just another school that might make the playoffs as the third team in the playoffs. This and that. But what, what Jeff cultivated there was the buy-in from the administration, from the superintendent on down, Rick Albritton, who got me involved rings, thanks to Jeff. You know, and, and allowing the coach to build something in the community. You know, look what, what, what Terry Lane was doing at Pine Tree. Until Unbelievable. Look what Rex Sharp did in Sabine. You know, Sabine was, was a laughing stock in East Texas for how many years? And a man like Rex Sharp goes in there, the school board gets behind them, and all of a sudden they're making playoffs and winning and doing well. 
winning their first playoff game in seven something years. This this story can be retold. Look at Scott's Rat and Parker. I was just going to say it. They were terrible. The stadium was condemned. And I think his first job as a coach was to pass a bond. It was. <laughs> build up the facilities there. And it can be done. It takes the community, the administration, the coach, and the kids. But really that coach leading those kids to the promised land. And no better example of that than Jeff On that subject, I don't know that everybody knows this, but our stadium was – our press box was condemned my first season at Gelmer. We built two deer stands. So one deer stand was for the uh, home team and the other deer stand was for the visiting team. That's how the Gilmer Buckeyes started. That's how Olin Johnson played his senior year in a condemned uh, press box with two deer stands up there. It doesn't get much worse than that. We were in the same field house I dressed in, and it was terrible when I played there in the 80s. So it takes, you know, but Dennis Alexander was huge for me uh, watching that. Uh, Jack Murphy, we always beat them in junior high. But when we played them on Fridays, we always lost to them. And I was like, now, wait a minute. If we've got more talent than them on Thursdays, we can't beat them on Fridays. Coaching must matter. I mean, Dennis Alexander and Jack Murphy must be really good. So those guys were huge for me. What Andy did at White Oak, you know, what a great deal he did there for White Oak back in the day. There's just so many of those guys that were in my career early. Somebody that was – I was in the seventh grade when Gilmer went to state in 1981. And Tommy Wagner was our head coach. And we did have a plan. I remember having a plan, and then I remember I went through like three or four head coaches the next five years. And I, I just can remember being at Stephen F. Austin State, and Greg Owens was there, and he came from Sulphur Springs. He knew how to do everything. He knew how to hang clean, power clean, vertical jump, run the 40, bench press properly. He knew what a three technique was, six technique, cover three, cover one, cover four. And I'm like, how in the hell do you know all that? He's like, man, well, I have a great coach in Coach Poe at Sulphur Springs. He taught me all this stuff. I had none of that. I, Greg can vouch for this. I remember telling Greg, one day I'm going to go back to Gilmer and all my kids are going to know how to do all that stuff. And when we go to college, we're not going to be standing in the back of the line watching Greg Owens. We're going to be in the front of the line showing people how to do all this stuff. And so it was early in my early in my career as a kid, I wanted to do that. You know, Ron Boyette was huge for me. Dan Noll at White Oak, I could watch those kids. They didn't have the talent we did, but they would beat us. And I'd watch what a powerful influence Dan was and, and Ron was. And I wanted to be that. So there were so many people. There was a man named Doug Duke at Gladewater. It was our arch rival. He saw something in me. He would work with me at basketball and baseball in the summers. He was the head basketball coach and head baseball coach at Gladewater. And I beat him two years in a row my senior year at the free throw line in the last seconds. And I've often wondered if Coach Duke ever was sitting there going, well, dang, I wish I wouldn't have taught Jeff how to do all this. He brought me to basketball camps at Shreveport. To, to, he brought me to Don Eddy basketball camps. It was just unbelievable. The men in my life that poured into me, as I reflect back now, uh, that just you know, helped me become who I am. Well, yeah, Hunter came to you with the idea to do the book. What was your, uh, what was your initial thought? Say that again. I'm sorry. When, when uh, Hunter came to you with the idea to do the book, what was your initial thought? You know, it seemed like it was so long ago. I, it's hard. It seemed like you were working on your doctoral, possibly, and it was like a project you were on. If I'm remembering correctly, I just love Hunter and his father, Bruce. Uh, I would trust them with anything. And any anything Hunter knows, I know it's going to be done with, like, what my spirit is. It's it, it. I'm very uncomfortable, honestly, when I hear Hunter play like the tidbits of me speaking. It just makes me want to cringe. I, I sound so country. I tease people, you know, that not only do I talk slow, but I hear slow too. So they need to slow down when they're speaking to me, right? So I cringe that it's about me, kind of, but because so many of y'all get to be involved in it to help tell the stories, y'all all are a part of it. It, it, it. Hunter's doing it the right way. And I, I can't wait to really read through it all. I haven't, he's tried his best to keep me included in it. But, you know, since we started this thing, where was I, Hunter, when you actually started it? In Texas. It was year one. It was right after year one. Well, so he's got a – my life's changed quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot. So, uh, yeah. I, I've been, I have finished it. It's, it's, a, it's a fantastic read. It brings back so many great memories of that year. I think I think Bob and I called four of your games that year. We did the Carthage game during our game of the week. And then we did the Gladewater game on Orange and Black Friday. 
and in the semifinals and the championship game. And uh, it's such great memories. Now, I've coached Texas OU, Texas Notre Dame, you know, Arkansas LSU, Arkansas Alabama, uh, you know, UTSA, UAB. I've been in conference championship games. I've done some pretty cool stuff, right? A bunch of bucket list stuff that I was going to do as a high school coach and pay for it. And now somebody's actually paying me to do it, which is really cool. But I will say this with all seriousness. I still have never had a feeling like the Gladewater Gilman game 2014. Uh, one of my most vivid memories is my brother, who I love dearly. He's the most loyal coach in America. But I remember when it was – Gladewater was driving in that last drive. And he, he, I saw he took his headphones off. And uh, he, he, he had waved the white flag, right? We're the black flag. That's, that's what we are, surrender until death. I mean, that's who we are. And we're the black flag defense. And I turned around and said, don't put those damn headsets back on when we stop them. He said, bro, we ain't stopping daily night. We ain't stopped him all night. I'm like, that big rascal's going to get tired at some point. <laughs> and, uh, when we stopped them, and I saw Curry putting them headsets back on, I'm like, oh, hell no. You keep them headsets off, bro. You done wave the white flag. We the black flag here. So I still bust <laughs> Kurt's chops about that. And trust me, I want to take my heads off, headsets off too. I did not really believe we were going to stop that big rascal. And uh, – True story, 88 yards, 48 seconds. We worked the exact situation the day before. The seconds and the yards. And don't tell me Desmond, don't tell me Desmond Pollard wasn't involved in that. And it came out to be the exact amount of seconds, didn't it? 100%. And we yeah. took the field. True story, we call a hitch and pitch on the very first play. And they are in a two-deep zone, which they never are. It's the worst call in America to call hitch and pitch in a two-deep zone. Their corner is in cover two. He is all over Nick Smith. All over, and Matt's freaking out. This is a bad play call. I'm like, Matt, hell, it ain't going to matter. Our kids will make it work. Let it go. We're fine. Nick McLean throws the most incredible ball on the upfield shoulder. Nick catches it, pitches it back to Chris Boyd, which is what we're trying to do anyway. And that cover two corner had come in so far it allowed Chris to go 20 more yards on the sideline, run out of bounds, which is with the plan because it stops the clock, right? So our kids were just phenomenal executing that. I mean, McLean went to, you know, so many players, Quinn Fluella and guys that you probably wouldn't think of immediately. And then everybody thinks about the call we made, you know, there on the draw to win the game. We still had – we could have clocked it, and all we had to have was a field goal to win the ball game. So if we wouldn't have scored, we would have got the first down because it clocked it and kicked it. It wasn't as great a call as everybody makes it out to be. But, you know, the, 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 the winners get to write the history books, right? So we're writing the story. So heck of a call. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's one of my favorite stories is the next week we were interviewing you for the semifinal game. And we were like, Coach, I was such a genius call. I couldn't believe you called the draw. You're a genius. And you said, Harlan, I handed the ball to the most talented player on the field. Doesn't take a genius. <laughs> think players not plays think players not plays it's one of my what best memories of that game in, in, at Lobo Stadium uh, you know, I, I think it gets John King a little bit with the biggest crowd ever at Lobo Stadium <laughs> wasn't for a Lobo game it was for Gilmer Playboy it, better than that it was Thanksgiving week and John couldn't find any help like we didn't have much security like there was not many people working at the concession stands but John is such an amazing human He's going to do what's best for East Texas. He never does really what's best for Longview. It's always what's best for – he knows they are like East Texas. He, he gets it, right? Yeah. There was like no security there that night. On my sideline, like everybody was down there. Like I, I, there was nowhere to go. Media, Gilmer people, just people everywhere. One of my favorite stories is we when Chris came running off the field, I don't know if we got Chris back out there for two-point play. I'm not, I don't even think McLean made it back out there. I think they were all up celebrating in the stands, and we needed to go to two. Uh, to, I forgot the exact score to go up by whatever it was, by four or whatever it might have been. And I remember we ran the play, and Chase Tate just went out there and took the play from McLean because McLean went out there and Chase made a two-point play. What a great group of kids, and, and they were special. I knew that night. Uh, we were going to win it after that. Now, when we were going in at halftime, just getting our teeth kicked in by West Orange Stark, I thought they'd probably get a little bit crazy. Uh, but Chris Boyd, for the first time in his life, decided to coach at halftime. And uh, he asked me if he could speak. And I'm like, sure, which is scary in its own right. But he got up there, and, man, you could tell he was special. Now, what people also don't know is Chris quit on me the year before against Argyle. He tapped out. He literally tapped out of the game. 
Well, I drug his ass out of class and to the state championship game. And we watched Argonne. I made him sit right beside me his junior year. And I said, the only reason we're not down there right now is you. The only reason. Because you ain't got the guts to freaking hang in there against Argyle. They were, t- they were tattooing your butt. He's like, Coach, I promise you, I'll get you back here next year. I'll get you back. We'll win it. And, and he did. And that's a true story. Crystal, Crystal vouch on that. You talked about McCl- or Blake, Chris, this kind of stuff. I thought one of the best interviews, Just it's not on one of these episodes, but just in like doing research for the book that I thought he talked with so much maturity was McLean Carter. Talk about him. You know, I loved the kid when he was little. And he, man, what a rough life to be grow up being G.J. Kenny's brother. Yeah. And he was not like G.J. G.J. in the ninth grade was stronger than all kids. McLean was the weakest one in the ninth grade. And I can remember encouraging him when he was little. Like McLean, the only thing you can do that your brother's never done is win a state championship. He's never done that. That's something you can do. Well, he got impatient on me. And uh, he wanted me to promise him the starting quarterback job his junior year. And I wasn't going to do it. You know, Tanner Barr was a returning quarterback. If McLean beat him out, I was going to let him have it. If he didn't, he didn't. So McLean chose to leave, and it crushed me because I loved him and his family so much, and I was so close to DJ. It crushed me. He had a terrible experience. He came back, to his credit now. He moved back. The first game of the playoffs of be his junior year. Yeah. And, he, and he's ineligible, obviously, right? And played scout team quarterback that whole playoff run while Tanner Barr is playing quarterback. And could not have done a better job of being a scout team quarterback. You talk about a humble dose of pie. You left because you weren't the starting quarterback. You come back. You're not even the backup now. You're the scout team quarterback. And McLean was incredible. And his senior year, that two-minute, that 48-second drive, you need to pull it out. <laughs> that was gunslinger mentality. The throws that kid made and how calm and cool he was down there, I was so happy for him because I just love him so much. And uh, – it doesn't surprise me at all, and so happy for him and all those kids. He was a leader in that locker room. He wasn't like GJ, like a larger-than-life personality. He was a more of a guy they all went to his house. He's the pie yeah. piper. GJ was that way, too. But GJ was louder, and, and, and he could handle them in a different way. McLean was more of a quieter kid. Uh, typical, you know, little brother, uh, not the big brother mantra, but, man, those kids love McLean. They love that goofy rascal. Boy, he could sling a ball. How about his poise? in the second half of the state championship game when y'all were down and, and the, the, it got a little wild in the third quarter and you know what happened in the fourth quarter just toys in that game. one of the biggest ones we, we ran a slant and go sluggo to nick uh and for an easy touchdown and you know i always say we give the defense too much credit you know let's don't not call it again mad Mallon, they don't ever want to call the play again because you know we already ran it once i'm like man y'all give those guys too much credit so me overstepping my boundaries, I called Sluggo again. And they covered it just like Matt and Alan told me they were going to. But there's a check down on that play that we worked. We just never had got to it in a game. And McLean literally went to the Sluggo to the check down on third down and six to Quinn Fluellen for an unbelievable first down to make your point about his composure down the stretch. Because we never had thrown the check down in the game. It had always worked for the touchdown. And for us to have called it for the second time um, shows you how mature of a guy he was. I think people, I think people knew this uh, that were close to y'all, but obviously, uh, hopefully, like after the book, people get this even more of a conviction of how freaking talented was your staff at Gilmer. Again, a lot of credit to Rick Albritton. Um, he didn't let me lose people. Uh, he'd find a way to help me keep them, and uh, we were deep. Uh, we were deep at every position. And the junior high doesn't get near enough credit. I mean, Max Lowe and Todd Fenton have been with me since the beginning. Now, I want you to think about that. I've had the same two junior high guys for 22 years. Uh, that stability on that staff, you know, it's, it was, it's truly remarkable. Look at all the head coaches, the success they've had. Uh, I mean it. I, you, my job is to find the smartest, most high-character people in the world give them a clear-cut job description, get the hell out of their way, give them the time they need to be with their families, and pay them as much as I freaking can. It's a recipe for success. But, man, it's hard getting out of the way, right, because we all like to do more than we probably should be. But I try a lot hard just to serve 
uh, serve my players and serve my coaches. And, uh, and they're, they're all been fantastic. And uh, you're right. They're super talented. We started naming them all. We, we'd forget somebody for sure. But yeah. Tommy Edwards doesn't get talked about near enough. That guy's been with me forever on that staff. And so many guys. Uh, Nolan Hagler, man, my, my, who cleaned that field house for me for so many years. He passed away a couple of years ago. Man, that, that shook me up. Because he, 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 man, he had that belt on that sideline. Some guys weren't dressed prettily. He's the one guy that could whoop that belt. And, you know, so many people. Steve York, my trainer there, this entire, he's been over the whole time. I've been in the back the whole time. You know, Amy, uh, my secretary, that whole time. Just so many people. Uh, the Adopted Buckeye program. That doesn't get talked about near enough. We we had 25, 35 players, nobody ever came to watch them play. So we started that just trying to get people to come. You know, Mary Jo Dean just passed away. And Mary Jo would adopt five at a time just to make sure we had somebody come to the game to watch them play. Now every kid in Gilmer has about five parents that adopt them. It's just grown that much. Meet the Buckeyes, which Harlan would come. And they would that that thing is just it's it's so awesome. I'm so proud and I'm so grateful that Mr. Albritton and that school board continue to keep my guys there, you know, from Matt Turner to Alan Metzel. And, and who's going to be next on that step? We, we cannot ever let that thing get outside of that. There's going to be some sexy name out there they're going to want to hire one day. They don't understand what those men do for that community. I hope this book just kind of puts it in concrete that we never should go outside in Gilma, Texas. We should only hire our own people to run that place. And I know there'll be business people say that's a recipe for disaster. I call hogwash. They don't know our culture. They don't know how deep that stuff runs. And let's keep that thing in the family. There's one person I wanted you to talk about. I know because there's so many names, but there's one consistently through the book, just the way people talk about him and especially how you spoke about him, uh, whether that was in Jacksonville uh, at Gilmer. And obviously he's with you now. And that's Matt Turner. If you would just talk about him. Yeah, he, he's been the biggest game changer of all of them for me. My middle child's named after him. Uh, Jake went three days without a middle name. I don't argue with Carrie very much. Her favorite movie was 16 Candles. So she wanted my son to be named Jacob Ryan Trailer. And I, that just wasn't going to happen, right? <laughs> my oldest son was Jordan Michael because I still think Michael Jordan's the GOAT, right? And I'm Jeffrey Michael Trailer. So I, I wanted my middle child to be a JMT and I wanted him to be named after Matt Turner. Right. So for three days, it was Jacob blank trailer, but I wasn't budging. So it's Jacob Matthew trailer. Uh, Matt Turner is the single most greatest influence on my life. He still is. I spoke at San Angelo Friday. Matt drove all the way to San Angelo to hear me speak. Uh, him and I never missed a clinic together. You know me. If they're not entertaining in 10 minutes, I'm out. Uh, Matt would not let me leave. He grabbed me by my ear and make me sit there and listen to every speaker. And uh, he's the most, you know, God-fearing, loving man, the greatest coach, the greatest teacher. Uh, why he chose me, I will never know. But he has served me at Jacksonville, at Gilmer, and here. And uh, I, I can't say enough great words about him. Uh, and that's that's just when you name your child after somebody, I don't know if you can say more than that. Hunter, you and I did a, a podcast last week that uh, it was more focused on you and the book. And I told the story that I, I, I always thought it was uh, fascinating. The relationship between uh, Matt and, and Coach Trailer was when their sons were seniors. And Jordan and Luke are both, you know, going to be the quarterbacks. And if you were writing movies, you would have had this fierce rivalry backstabbing and coaches got gunning for their guy and it couldn't have been further from that they everybody was all in to what was best for the team and if Luke's the quarterback and Jordan is better at tight end and then the Luke got hurt and the coaches I mean it just worked it just really says something about both you and Coach Turner about how what men you raised and how y'all handled that situation and it's such a great I'm so glad you brought that up you know, they battled through their junior year through about game five. And we made the decision to go with Lou. Now, Carrie Barry wasn't for that. I think I slept on the couch for most of that season. Uh, but the senior year, Tanner Barr was a sophomore, and he was going to be the quarterback of the future. 
Jordan, we were using him in so many ways, at wide receiver, at tight end, at fullback. So we made the decision to put Jordan at just that. He worked no quarterback. Now, understand, Luke broke his ankle in the Carthage game, like game four, game five. We're losing by, I want to say, 7, 10, whatever it was. It's like eight or ten minutes up in the fourth quarter. I said, Matt, what are we going to do here, Bubba? And he's like, Jeff Tanner's not ready. You're going to have to go with Jordan. I'm like, Matt, he hasn't worked quarterback all summer, all fall count. He hasn't worked quarterback. I'm not doing this to my child. I wouldn't do this to anybody's child, much less my own child. He's like, Jeff, Jordan can handle it. He's done enough of it as a young kid. He'll be fine. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm going to let this go, but I don't – this is not good for this kid, right? He's the head coach's son. He's not worked a rep of quarterback all his senior year. And that joker went out there and let us down the field on two consecutive scoring drives, executed – he played with two gloves on. He was such a tight end. He didn't he hadn't even had his gloves off because he hadn't played any quarterback. And we totally changed our offense the very next week. We started throwing it 40 times a game. And we just went bombs over Baghdad. Looking back at it, Matt, now we made a wrong choice. Luke should have been the tailback. Jordan was right. Jordan should have been the quarterback. Luke should have been the tailback and the Wildcat quarterback. We should have used Luke like we did Blake Lynch. And we should have used Jordan like we did McLean Carter. And uh, – we messed that one up. And, you know, it ended up working out okay. We got Biba Argyle like a whole bunch, a whole bunch. And I remember driving home after the game, listening to them on the radio, and uh, we were getting out. We always went through and got us a, a blizzard at the Dairy Queen, me, Alan, and Matt. And Matt Allen said, Jeff, how many passes do you think Jordan completed tonight? I'd say all. I said probably 19, 20. He said higher. I said 25, 30. He's like higher. He said he's like 40 out of 46 or something, 40 out of 48 in his very last game ever. It was just stupid how kid how good the kid played. You know, to, to Harlan's point, that was his very best friend. You know, he was going to support Luke Turner to the very end. And uh, I still believe we were one state championship with Luke at quarterback or Luke at tailback. I think that was one of my he was he's he's probably the, the greatest high school football player I ever coached. You know, Luke started for me as a freshman at outside linebacker on a state championship team, uh, sophomore at slot receiver uh, on a semifinalist team junior at quarterback on a quarterfinalist team. And his senior year, he was the punter, the kicker, the quarterback, and could have been in whatever I needed him to be. Awesome. Um, you haven't seen this yet, but the last episode, Dr. Elza, Coach King, and Jack Stallard all said, uh, kind of like their final statements, something that they always liked and respected about you and have always felt a part of your journey is that you've never forgotten your roots and what made you. And that ultimately is what makes you so special. Uh, the book is centered around Gilmer, but it's really, as you'd said, even to open it, it's about the entire East Texas region. What do you hope people know about your path and really the entire East Texas area? You know, I, the memories, you know, of how I was formed and how I've just learned something from everybody the stories are so specific in my own mind. I think that's always what amazes people the most, you know, about me is that I remember the smallest details about one conversation from so many years ago. And uh, Ron Boyette believing I was special at such a young age or Dan Noel or just weird things that people didn't, they don't even remember, Like they don't even remember pouring that into me. Uh, that's what I hope everybody – I hope people forget how bad I was to officials those first seven years. Uh, Larry Clemens was so good for me at Gilmer because Larry did my Thursday night games. We were such good friends, he would not do my Friday night games. He's like, Jeff, you know, those guys want to like you. They want to like you. You won't let them like you. You're just such a jackass to everybody. Nobody wants to like you. And, I, and he would describe it like, those guys are your biggest fans. They have normal jobs. They make very little money. They love football. And Larry just, it's kind of like, you know, what Mr. Rogers says. Well, you know, once you know somebody's story, it's kind of hard not to love them. And, and once I kind of learned the official stories, I just started treating them better. I wish I'd have done that better. I was always good to the media. I, I, I was really good there. I don't think I ever walked. David and I had a couple of those. Uh, I didn't like smoky you know, certain things there early. But even I understood the purpose of David's smoke. Uh, and we've become very close later on. But officials, I wish I could go back and do that one over. 
at the end, I was really good to them. But man, the the Jeff trailer now, this version, y'all are getting a way better version. Harlan probably can tell you some stories and some things that were probably quite embarrassing. Well, I'm going to tell you a story. An official told me that uh, you were he was calling one of your games, and when the the first time out came, it was like real hot, early September, and it was 99 degrees at 7:30. And when your water girls would go running onto the field, he said they always came to the officials first. And he told me about that about you about that. That must have been 2007 on. I was starting to grow up a little bit, right? I got to be a head coach so young. You know, when you're that young, that's a lot of pressure on, on a kid, and especially going home uh, where, you know, I do remember Danny saying, you know, even Jesus wasn't successful when he went home. He said, if you go back and you're not successful, I'll hire you back. Go give it a shot. And to be hired on a 4-3 vote, now it says 4-2 in the newspaper, but that other person that abstained, I mean, it was a no. And, you know, no contract, probationary contract. You talk about betting on yourself. Took a $17,000 pay cut. Uh, it was scary. I, I remember not sleeping at all for two years. And, and thank God for Olin Johnson. I and mean, I will always be forever grateful. If I could have coached Olin 2004 on, Olin plays in the Big 12 and SEC and maybe in the National Football League. I just didn't get there quick enough. Hey, Hunter, I want to tell one more story before we get out of here. About, I want people to know about Coach Trailer. Uh, I did a little math here before we started. And, and in the book, you chronicle the beginning of the game of the week. And the two guys that I leaned on, this was a project I worked on for three years, were John King and Jeff Trailer. And in the springtime, I would, I'd drive out to Gilmer. I'd go into his office. Amy would get me 10 minutes with him, which would turn into a half hour or an hour. And he would tell me the things I got to do to make this make a game of the week to get coaches to move to Saturday or move to Thursday to play their varsity game. And Coach Trailer impressed upon me, you've got to give these kids a scholarship. Tell the coaches you're going to give the kids a scholarship. And that was my, my project. And I went out and found sponsorships so that I could do that. And we're fixing to start our 11th season of the game of the week. And to this date, we've given away 104 $1,005 college scholarships. And think about and we've already got booked 24 more. So that's 128 kids that Jeff Trailer indirectly helped with their education into college by giving me the time and the tutelage to show me how to put something on like the game of the week. And I couldn't have done it without him. And I think about those 128 kids, 24 of them haven't even got the scholarship yet, but they will this year and next year. You impacted their lives. And you, they're not even your sports students. Well, I appreciate it. And that was, it was a blast. That was fun. And we loved doing it. And we'd move around. You know, I learned that from John King. John King would do what was best for the game. He, if I called John King on a Wednesday night and I needed a ninth grade B game, he'd send over a ninth grade C team. He didn't care as long as those kids played. And one time, John didn't have a coach and I couldn't find a coach. John drove the kids over. He coached the Lobos. I coached the Buckeyes and like a a ninth grade B battle Royale. He and told that story. Yeah. Oh, it was the best. I think yes. it ended a six, six tie. Perfect yes. for John King. Yes. A nightmare for me. Nightmare. Yes. For John is perfect. <laughs> no, he told that story. Uh, the last time we recorded, it was awesome. And uh, yes, nothing he wouldn't do. Nothing. John King would never do. Um, I mean, he taught me so much about how to treat the game. You know, I I had a chip on my shoulder being from Gilmer, and I, it was us against the world for a long time before I kind of grew up and, and, and became an adult and started embracing up along the way. Oh, you nailed it. Uh, yeah, Coach, I've never met uh, doing this project uh, the past few years, uh, and then he kind of getting to interact with some people from your hometown and others in Jacksonville. I don't think I've ever met anybody – that was so good where everybody felt like they really knew you and that you were their friend. And I think that's really hard to do. I think that's a gift that you have. And uh, it was just so much fun to get to work on this. It's been a lot of work uh, and I hope you're really proud of it, but I want to thank you so much for trusting me enough uh, with some sensitive stuff and to try and do it justice. And I really did. I gave it my best shot and, and uh, I feel good about it. I think the rubric we set, um, I don't know how it'll be received nationally or whatever, but uh I think we told a heck of a story 
and it's meaningful to a lot of people. I just want to thank you so much for everything that you did for me. So, well, you're the best, Hunter. You come from unbelievable people, and you're about the right stuff, brother. And Holland, I appreciate you. And tell the old pigskin, I said hello and what up as well. And I look forward to. I hope I hope there's some people there that night. You know, the thirtieth and the first. I'd love to hug some people's necks and and just say thank you. Yep. And whatever happens, you know how this business is. Hell, I could be the goat in a year, and I could be the head coach of Texas in a year. You, in, in this business, you don't know. Uh, but what I do want people to know is, no matter what happens, I hope I don't change. Right? I hope when it's over and and I'm buried one day, all y'all say, you know what? He stayed true to the very end. And if I can do that, then job well done. Right? So I appreciate y'all very much. When, when uh, the UT thing was coming to an end, you remember this? conversation we had we were talking and uh i said well heck in two years coach you're either gonna be the head coach of iowa or the head coach of big sam and he said harlan i'll be happy either way i will i will yeah, I care, bear, care bear might not be but i wouldn't <laughs> give a damn you let me have some kids in the locker room i'm good to go man i'm good to go this is awesome thank y'all both so much uh draw the line comes out june 28th we're doing some events june 30th duds on the lake in gilmer texas Tomato Bowl Press Box, July 1st, uh, and then July 11th in Marshall. Uh, we'll be around Texas High School Coaching School in San Antonio. Hunter, let me give you one more small – I'm going to give you all one more small story. This is crazy. I don't know if you know this, Hunter. Do you know, like, my hashtag 210, Triangle of Toughness, do you know originally what the hashtag was when I got hired? No. Draw the line. Yeah. Do you know why it's been taken down? It was seen as exclusionary. Like I was being exclusionary by drawing a line and asking people to step over it. So some professor got pissed off and they made uh, my AD and my president take it away. If you go back and look at my very first Twitter, all of them are draw the line. I didn't know that. And it's, I guarantee you my AD and my president think I'm being a smart ass by telling Hunter to put draw the line. That's the name of my book. <laughs> Not at all. No. <laughs> That's no, fascinating I to me. I'll tell you how it was because the, the, the name was kind of like we were floating around a couple of different titles. Alan Metzel called me one night out of the blue and says, Hunter, I, I've told you a lot. He goes, there's one story I haven't told you. You need to know about this. That and week. He, you got it. And he went through thoroughly. Uh, it's fourth the, down on the foot. Yeah. He I literally through. told them kids, hell, this is it, man. We're going to draw the damn line. And we know we're giving the ball to Dalen Mack. We're going to draw the damn line. He did. But he said, he said, he goes, Hunter, that thing also was, it's imagery for what ultimately you did. Of, he says, all of us are a part of this. But he said, ultimately, what Jeff did in his hometown is what you said earlier, drew a line. This is my hometown. We're going to have a certain standard. And I'm not backing down. And the other part, the last piece that doesn't get talked about enough, and you might have in the book, yeah. you know, what's to finally get those girls where they are now. She, it's you in know, there, Stacy Cruz. Stacy, me Foley. getting Stacy to come back and convince oh, yeah. my school board that if you ever want my legacy to be right, if y'all don't fix this damn thing, it's going to always be all Jeff cared about is the boys. Yes. Now, it just so happens JC Trader's coming through about that time, too, damn it. And we were going to make sure JC Trader got the And how about this, too, though? It's kind of like one of the things of, uh, that show results. Brand new high school. What two oh, years proud. ago? Top of the line, enrolled. Would not have happened. Would not have happened. Doesn't take a backseat to anybody. I agree. I'm that. All that makes me the high school and the girls program are things that, you know, indirectly kind of like Harlan's scholarships. I didn't have a lot to do with it, but I, I was a piece of that, and that makes me feel really good. Nope. All right, man. Harlan, you were going to say something. I cut you off. I, I wanted to say. Coach Taylor is okay, but the, the book is great, okay? And if you want to learn more about uh, Hunter Taylor, uh, I did a podcast with him last week. It's on kykids1057.com. Scroll down to the podcast because I work for them. That's the only way you can get it. So go to kykids1057.com. And I interviewed him, and we talked about the book and, and you, your relationship with him. I'll do that. Do you mind uh, texting me that, Harlan? Just like, I'll make sure and do that. I will. Thank you. Before every game, don't I? Yeah, you do, and I respond every time. If I don't respond, you better call my ass out. Well, sometimes it comes in late at night because I know you're busy, but, yeah, I text you for it again. I've had the same number all these years. I have 27,000 contacts now, and I bet you 
Uh, when I win, I get about 22,000. And when I lose, I get about 200. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm going to post uh, Jeff's number on the, on the website. So people can... <laughs> I'll see y'all, man. Love y'all. Thanks, Thank Coach. See y'all. Thanks, Hunter. Thank you so much for listening to the Coach and Doc podcast. Uh, we know there are a lot of podcasts out there, so we're grateful that you chose ours. If you'd like to learn more about the work that we do, please visit our website. It is at coachandoc.com. Thanks again.